What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. Here's how the show goes. You hit me up with 35 questions dealing with anything and everything from morality to spirituality, relationship advice, evangelization, discipleship, catechesis, the list goes on and on and on. I will sit with your questions, I will pray with them, I will study them, and hopefully I will respond in such a way that it's helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. If you are a first-time listener, you can come up with your own questions at www.essentialpress.com slash askfatherjosh, spell out A-S-K-F-A-T-H-E-R-J-O-S-H. You can also rate us and review us on iTunes and Spotify and Google Play and other podcast formats. You can share us on your social media pages. This will help other people to find out about the show. If it's been good for you, potentially, it could be good for other people as well. Uh, if you want to stay in touch with me, you can do so by ordering our books at EssentialPress.com, uh, Broken and Blessed, An Invitation to My Generation, Pocket Guide to Adoration, and Pocket Guide to the Sacrament of Reconciliation. You can also go to www.essentialpress.com slash on earth to subscribe to find out when you can pre-order our newest book uh, on earth as it is in heaven, restoring God's vision a race and discipleship and so i'm super excited about that book it took me six years to write it six years and it's finally ready to come out uh toward the end of april will be available for pre-order and so i'm just super excited about that so please go out and support that so that way we can continue to accompany each other in discipleship and consoling the heart of jesus and cultivating unity in the body of christ on today's show we're going to address two really, really, really good topics. We're going to talk about speaking in tongues, and we're also going to talk about the difference between sacred art and pornography. But before we get into those two really good questions, I want to share with you a glory story. So my glory story is this. So I got a phone call this week, uh, and it was from one of my former parishioners at Holy Rosary, who started up a a group for for women and then for couples who experience um, infertility. Um, I, I know a lot of our listeners have experienced infertility, and it's uh, painful, and it's something that I can never fully understand. The, the just the yeah the pain and suffering that you go through. Um, with infertility. And so she started up, uh, it started off really cool. So she came to me a while back, was like, hey, can we do a conference? And I prayed about it and just perceived in prayer like the Lord wanting her to do a small group Bible study at first, like a prayer group. And anyways, long story short, she eventually did that. And now she has that. And they they gather together at Holy Rosary. They, they pray with each other. They, they, they do a teaching. Uh, they pray for each other. They praise God. I think that's some time for fellowship. And they go into adoration. And long story short, there have just been some really powerful things happening in their group. The Holy Spirit has been coming down, and He has been rocking people's lives. And it's just beautiful because this group started out of a place of pain and out of a place of like a wound, but from this wound has come a great gift for so many people in the community. And so it was just a gift for me to hear like what the Lord is doing and how the Lord is, is using uh, these people, these disciples who have experienced 
great suffering, but from their suffering, a lot of life, a lot of supernatural life is, is coming from it. And that just, that just makes me really happy. I just, I love to hear glory stories. And so uh, the glory story is to examine your life, examine my life. And where are we wounded? Because out of those wounds typically come great blessings. The enemy typically attacks what the Lord wants to use the most. And so what might be a, seem like a curse could in reality be a phenomenal blessing if we uh, bring it to Jesus, and if we share it with Jesus and allow Jesus to enter into that place of pain and suffering, and so much good can come from that pain and suffering. So yeah, that's the glory story. Shout out to the parishioners at Holy Rosary. I miss y'all, love y'all, and I'm proud of the work that y'all are still doing to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And now... Let's jump into today's show. First question comes in from Carmela. She writes about speaking in tongues. Hi, Father Josh. I've recently gone to a retreat slash mission school and met people who could speak in tongues. I understand that this is a charismatic gift that is so beautiful. Because you're beautiful no matter what they say. But they were not speaking in other languages like the saints and apostles did. Everyone I met would repeat the sound tick, tick, tick uh, very quickly. I was then told that this was an angelic tongue that was for personal use. Can you explain what this is and whether angelic tongues is truly a gift of the Holy Spirit? Carmela. Yes, Carmela, this is a phenomenal question. Great, great question. And so we're going to jump into a uh, definition of tongues. We're going to jump into what the scriptures say about tongues, what God says about it. And then we're also going to look at the doctors of the church, St. Augustine, the great um, African doctor of the church. We're going to look at St. Teresa of Avila, the great Carmelite reformer in Spain. And we're going to look at St. Thomas Aquinas, the angelic doctor, to see what they have to say about this topic as well, because there is a difference between public and personal tongues. So first things first, tongues, definition, it's just, it's a Holy Spirit inspired speech um, and a language that the speaker typically doesn't understand. And it can be used in public ministry like evangelization, catechesis, pastoral counseling, spiritual direction, healing and deliverance ministry, prophetic proclamations of uncomfortable truths uh, for uh, social justice causes. It can be used to have better conversations and communicate better. Sometimes before I meet with somebody um, in a difficult situation, I ask God to give me the gift of tongues so I will only say the words he wants me to say and that they will have the gift of interpretation of tongues. So they will only hear the words he wants them to hear. That way that there's there's no disruptions from the enemy or misunderstandings because typically communication is one of the main reasons for divorce and for messy friendships and broken relationships. So uh, you can even ask for tongues for that. Um, and then there's personal tongues that we're going to also talk about as well. Now, tongues, they are biblical. Let me go ahead and grab, grab my Bible. My Bible is normally right here on my desk by my computer, but right now it's not. Uh, that's strange. Uh, you know what? Mm, I was print my Bible, and I brought it to my car. So y'all wait right there when I go grab my Bible. One second. Actually, it was not in my car. 
My Bible was in my book sack, and my book sack was in my car, and then my book sack was in my room. And now my, my book sack's right by my feet, and my Bible's in my hand. Sounds like a rap. Yes, I know I can. Up, oh, I done did it. I'm about to go and read it. All right, so from the Bible, let's go to the Word of God, and let's start with one of my... One of my favorite scriptures, I have so many of them. John 17 is definitely one of them. Matthew 26 is one of them. But so is Acts chapter 2. This is what Acts chapter 2 says. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound came from heaven like a rush of mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire. Fire fall down on us, we pray. All right, so uh, the... Fire fell down where we at, uh, distributed and resting on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one heard them speaking in his own language. And they were amazed and wondered, saying, are not all those who are speaking Galileans? And then it kind of goes down to where they were you know, from all over the world. And it's really beautiful. So the apostles were able to speak in other languages that were intelligible, other languages that were intelligible for the use of their ministry of evangelization and catechesis. So anytime someone is given the gift of tongues for public ministry, another person or other people who they are ministering to will be given the gift of interpretation of tongues so that they can understand what message of Christ they are hearing being proclaimed to them by the person who has the gift of tongues. The people in Acts the Apostle were from Africa and Asia and Europe. So the apostles who spoke to them, they spoke in an intelligible language. So it would be like me speaking French or Spanish or Russian, right, or English, whatever, right? It's an intelligible language in such a way that the people could hear their language and grasp the message that was being proclaimed. But that's not the only scripture that talks about tongues, right? There's more. The Bible always has so much more. Every time we think that that's it, there's always more with God. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 13, St. Paul says, Therefore he who speaks in a tongue should pray for the power to interpret. And then he goes on to say in verse 27, he says this, If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at least most three, and each in turn, and then let one interpret. So if someone is manifesting the public ministry of tongues, there ought to be someone or some people who are present who can understand their intelligible language, English, Spanish, French, etc. If their tongues are other languages, or if it's the same language, but if it's a difficult topic, then there will be someone in the audience who can grasp what the speaker is saying and understand what is being communicated. Again, these public tongues are typically used in works of evangelization, catechesis, healing and deliverance ministry, justice, spiritual direction, pastoral counseling, etc. But tongues can also be used for personal prayer to God during our time of praise in our prayer period. Staying in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, let's just look quickly at verse 2, which says this, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. Mm, that's really good. Uh, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. So, according to St. Paul, it is possible to speak in a tongue that will be unintelligible to you, and it is not for public ministry, so it is not for other people to be able to interpret. Uh, though our praise of God can still bring about healing and deliverance and encouragement to us and others, 
It is primarily meant to praise God. It's our prayer language. So our personal prayer time can be spent, as you already know, reading scripture, with Lexia Divina, or entering into imaginative prayer with the word of God, reciting the, the rosary, our divine mercy chaplets, doing novenas, singing gospel music, or, or uh, doing praise and worship, or listening to the chant, contemplating the face of Christ in the Blessed Sacrament, in silence before the Eucharist, communicating to God spontaneously using the ARRR method where we share with God our thoughts and our feelings and our desires. Then we take time to listen to God respond to us in prayer. We can pray in so many different ways, but we can also spend time with God in prayer by speaking in unintelligible tongues. And when we do this, it builds us up. It builds us up so we can something, something. All right, public tongues builds the community up. Uh, but private tongues builds up the person who's actually praying in tongues. I remember, uh, yeah, a while back I was in seminary. It was my third or fourth year in seminary. I met this really cool priest, Father Ubald. He's passed away since he died uh, from COVID, but he's this priest from Africa who has phenomenal ministry of reconciliation, um, and he had a lot of gifts of healing as well. I met him when he came to Louisiana. He prayed over me, and he was like, hey, whenever you get depressed, like, just don't forget. Um, I forgot what he said, but I remember he said something about being depressed, and I typically don't get depressed. So when he told me that, I was like, oh, that was a waste of time. I never get depressed. Long story short, I went up to a seminarian who seemed to be very depressed, and without asking his permission, I laid hands on him. I didn't swing on him. I didn't slap him. Um, <laughs> or anything like that. I laid hands on him in the sense that I began to pray over him, but I never asked permission. I never asked God, can I do that? Or him, if it was okay. Well, whatever was you know, on him, it left. And he was like peaceful afterwards. He was like, oh man, thanks so much. Like, that's, I feel great. And I was like, oh, praise God. Well, then whatever was on him came on to me. And then I was super depressed and I was down and I don't understand why. And it wasn't just for like a couple of hours. It went on for a day, two days. And then finally three days of this went on. And on the third day, I was just like, what is happening? I'm so depressed. So I went to the chapel to spend time with Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. I was like, God, what is going on? And I just perceived the Lord say, Josh, you never asked permission from me to pray over that person, nor did you ask that person for permission to lay hands on him. I, you should have asked permission. And I said, oh, God, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me, Jesus. And I said, well, what do I do? I, I'm aware I was wrong. I'll go to confession. But like, what do I do? I still feel this weight. And I just perceived the Lord say, pray in tongues. And so I began to speak in tongues in the Adoration Chapel, and all of a sudden, whatever was on me uh, left. And it wasn't another language like French or Spanish. It was like these gibberish tongues that I began to speak, and it lifted whatever was on me. So I was definitely edified. It built me up. Um, so sometimes tongues can be prayed in that way. Again, let's stay in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and now go to verse 4. It says this, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Right. So when we do this, it builds us up. So what does this sound like? Well, like for me, it sounded like gibberish, right? It could sound like a baby, goo goo, gaga. It could sound like clicking. It could sound like groaning in the spirit where people are like, moan. This is how John Paul II prayed. Pope John Paul II, St. John Paul II, when he prayed before the Blessed Sacrament, he would often groan in the spirit. Uh, and I, I too, I've groaned in the spirit whenever I pray before the Blessed Sacrament. In Romans 8, 26, the Word of God says the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. So whenever we're groaning in the Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit that can be praying 
in and through us and for us. So this is definitely biblical. It is, is definitely in the word of God that there are public tongues and private tongues. But the saints also experience this as well, including the doctors of the church. And I'm not talking about just like recent saints. Tongues is not a new gift in the church. A lot of times people think that tongues only came about recently from the charismatic renewal. Uh, no, tongues has been in the church, right? Clearly in the Bible, but even in the life of many of the great saints in our church's history. The great African doctor of the church, St. Augustine, said, one who jubilates, and that's what he describes tongues as, doesn't utter words, but certain sounds of joy without words. So he makes this distinction between like the public ministry of speaking in tongues and private personal prayer, right? So he calls it jubilation. Again, St. Augustine, he says that the one who prays with jubilation expresses in their voice a happiness that is so intense that one cannot explain it. So He's a great saint. He's a doctor of the church, and he talks about tongues. But so does the angelic doctor, St. Thomas Aquinas. He says that when our mind is kindled with devotion as we pray, we break out spontaneously through weeping and sighing that sounds like cries of jubilation and other such noises. Uh, again, this is nothing new. But it's not just the guy saints. The female saints also talked about this as well. St. Teresa of Avila, she's another doctor of the church, the great Carmelite reformer. She said that the Lord will sometimes give the soul feelings of jubilation and a strange prayer it does not understand. She even wrote about in her writings a friar um, named Peter who would pray in jubilation daily, and people thought he was crazy. Have you ever been to Steubenville South Conferences or Steubenville North or Steubenville East or West or whatever main campus, and all of a sudden during adoration, people start like breaking out and with like cries and screaming and these crazy stuff like those could be tongues, right? So don't make a big deal about it. It's just the Spirit of God moving, right? So it sounds crazy, but it is biblical, and it is something that is witnessed in the lives of the saints. So uh, I think that it's cool. Now, do you have to speak in tongues? You don't like, have to, right, to be uh, a saint. You need to be baptized, but they're a gift of, the, of, the, of God, and so just if God wants to give it to you, be open to it. Don't be closed off to it, but also don't grasp. And so, God, if you want me to speak in tongues, whether it's personal or private, I'm open to it. If not, I'm cool, right? Sometimes we make tongues like the greatest gift, when in reality, it wasn't the greatest gift. It was one of the least gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. So there are some communities that are super immature, and they, they act like you, you're not baptizing the Spirit if you don't speak in tongues, and that is nonsense. Uh, so there, the saints in the Scriptures do affirm that there's a difference between public ministry of speaking in tongues and personal prayer of tongues as well. And hopefully, hopefully Carmela, that was helpful for, for you. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to dive into our last question about the difference between sacred art that is filled with naked angels and naked people uh, and pornography, which is also a bunch of naked people. So what's the difference? Curious student, we're going to answer your question when we get back. Hi, I'm Sonia Corbett, the Bible study evangelista and a Baptist turned Catholic. As a Baptist, I thought that Catholic beliefs were invented, that they came out of nowhere and had no connection whatsoever to the Bible. I also happened to believe that the Old Testament was about rules, rituals, and sacrifices that the New Testament gave us permission to ignore for a personal relationship with Jesus. It's a long story, but as God began connecting the Old and New Testaments for me, I was stunned by the beautiful consistency of God in the Catholic Church. I can't tell you how exciting it was when God opened my eyes to the incredible ways the Old Testament foreshadows God's plan for the New Testament and for His Catholic Church. In my book, Fulfilled, Uncovering the Biblical Roots of Catholicism, I explain these amazing connections, and I share how those connections helped change my life. 
If you read this book, I promise that you will come away with tools to help you share your Catholic faith easily, answer questions about how your Catholic faith fits with what's in the Bible, and most importantly, grow deeper in your relationship with Christ. If you're interested in learning more or ordering a copy of Fulfilled, Uncovering the Biblical Roots of Catholicism, you can do so at ascensionpress.com or on Amazon. And we're back. Don't forget you can check out uh, my video version of the Ask Father Josh show on the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. You can check out my books, Broken and Blessed, Pocket Guide to Adoration, and Pocket Guide to Sacrament of Reconciliation at EscensionPress.com. And you can check out my newest book that is coming out this month on Earth as it is in Heaven, Restoring God's Vision of Race and Discipleship at www.EscensionPress.com slash on Earth. All right, final question comes in from Curious Student. So, hey, Father Josh, thank you for your educational podcast. I love learning more about our faith and about Jesus through your teaching. My question is this. As someone who likes learning and going to museums, it is easy to be confronted by nude art. Is there a difference between something like Michelangelo's, David, and pornography? Where does one go to learn more about the distinction between these two things? If there is one, thank you for all you do, curious students. So this is a great, great, great question. Uh, And where do we go? I say go to St. John Paul II. I just love him so much. I talked about him in the last... Um, segment about tongues. He grown in the spirit, but he also wrote extensively about this topic uh, and his reflections on the ethos of the human body and the works of artistic culture and in his great work, The Theology of the Body, chapter two, part one. So I would encourage you, curious student, to check out St. Pope John Paul II's Theology of the Body. And essentially what it really comes down to is he appeals to our heart, right? Our hearts as human beings which is what Christ did, right? Christ didn't say really examine, in the Bible it says examine your heart, right? It doesn't say examine your conscience, I don't think. So examine your heart, examine the heart. Blessed are those who are pure of heart. He says, if you've thought about a woman with lust in your mind, you've already committed adultery in the heart. And so for JP2, it was all about the heart, right? So the role of the, the naked body in, in human art uh, can be good, right? It's so good that John Paul II, when he became Pope, he removed loincloths that were placed over some of the nude saints. He was like, no, this is ridiculous. There's nothing wrong with their body. There's nothing bad about their body. When God created their bodies, their bodies were created good. And so we need to be able to, to show that the human body is good. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God in all of his creation. One time he gave a homily uh, on the restoration of the Sistine Chapel, and he said, Michelangelo was guided by the Bible. He was guided by the first book of the Bible, by the book of Genesis, naked without shame. This is a biblical concept. And so there's a difference between being naked without shame um, and trying to have shameless nakedness, right? Two different things, all right? So, and the difference lies in the intention of the the artist, the intention of the creator. Michelangelo's intention was not to incite lust in the people who would see his artwork. That was not why he did what he did. He was just simply trying to show the gift of the human body that every single person, man and woman, we are made in the image of God and we have dignity as human persons. What pornography seeks to do is pornography does not want to show the gift of the human body. Pornography wants to invite us and tempt us to lust after the human body, to see the body not as a, a gift, but to see the body as an object that is meant to be used for our pleasure. And so uh, the intention of the artist is where we draw the line here, right? What was the intention of Michelangelo? It was to show the goodness of God's creation. The intention of Hugh Hefner is to incite people to uh, commit adultery in their mind and do other sins as as well. It's possible to be pure of heart, right? Now, if you struggle with 
a pornographic lens, if you're rooted in pornography, then it might not be good for you to go to the Vatican right now and see this beautiful artwork because you might not be in a place where you are able to see that right now. So if that's the case, avert your eyes, look the other way. But this ought not be so. This is why we have counseling and spiritual direction and healing and deliverance because God wants you and I to all be pure of heart. It's one of the Beatitudes. He's inviting us to get healed so that we can look at beautiful artwork that was intended to show the beauty of God's creation. I know I've seen, uh, I've seen an image of St. John Paul II, again, celebrating Mass in Africa a number of years ago when he was Holy Father and still alive. And there was a woman who was reading at the Mass in this, in this village, uh, and she was topless. Right? She was, her, her, her top was exposed. Her breasts were exposed. That's part of her body. And I remember looking at the face of John Paul as he looked at her as she read, and he was not lusting after her. He did not see her breast as an object to lust after. They were just part of her human body. And in their culture, people didn't lust after breasts. Breasts were for breastfeeding babies, right? They're, they're part of the body. They have a function. They have a, uh, a purpose. And so people in that culture don't lust after that. So like you can, you can see in his face, he was able to still be present as she was reading the word of God, and he was there present to her and everyone else. I, I've been a missionary. I've done missionary work in Calcutta and in Jamaica and in Mexico and all over. When I was in Mexico, a lot of women breastfeed during Mass. Like literally, they, just, they, they expose their breasts and they start feeding their babies at Mass. And there's nothing weird about that because it's not meant to be used as a thing of lust. Like, and, and I'm able to see them do that and not be like, oh my gosh, like I can see your breasts, right? It's just breasts. It's a part of their body. When I was in Calcutta, I wiped people who were naked and helped them use the bathroom. When I was in Jamaica, I gave people baths who were dying from AIDS and I, I tended to their wounds as they were, they were naked. There, there was nothing weird about it because the human body is, is the human body. There, there, there's a, an invitation from the Lord for all of us to be able to, in freedom, see the human body as a gift and not as an object to be used, to see the, the person in front of us who needs to be loved. So the attention of the artist. Now, again, you need to know yourself. If you're not at a place right now because of the pornographic culture, because of the amount of movies you've seen and videos you've watched and songs you listen to that have incited lust to, to dwell in your heart, then now's not the time. Now is not the time to be going on mission trips and, and being with people um, in other countries who might walk around topless or by bathing people who might be dying from AIDS or wiping people who um, are using the restroom on themselves. Right now might not be the time for you to go to the Vatican and see this beautiful artwork, but that doesn't mean that you don't then have work to do. That doesn't mean that we should therefore not have the artwork because we might not be in a place where we can see it. That doesn't mean that we should not do mission or people should not serve people who in other countries are topless or, or breastfeed their babies at mass or are going to be naked on the streets. No, no, that means that we need to ask God to heal us and reform us and restore us and believe that God can. And I tell you, he can. I'm a witness to the healing power of Christ. Nothing is impossible for God. So, which is why I always promote counseling. Counseling, spiritual direction, prayer, interior life, right? Ah, it's so, so good. So anyways, that's my thoughts. That's my thoughts on these topics. I have many more thoughts on many more topics. One of my favorite topics to talk about is discipleship of all nations. And if you are interested in learning more about how you can be used by God to go out to every single person who lives in the geographical boundaries of your community, then I want to encourage you to check out my new book, again, On Earth As It Is In Heaven, Restoring God's Vision of Race and Discipleship. You can sign up to find out when it is available for pre-order at www.ascensionpress.com slash on earth. With that being said, let's go ahead and pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come Holy Spirit. 
Come, Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit, renew us, restore us, reform us, conform our hearts and our minds to yours, God, transform us, give us the logic of Christ, give us the heart of Christ, help us to live as the body of Christ, who are only concerned about the will of God, the will of Christ for us in our walk toward eternity, God, I ask that you bless our neighbors, that you bless our family, that you bless our friends, that you bless our eyes, Lord, that you purify our eyes, that you purify our ears, that you purify our tongue, that you purify our body by the blood of Christ, blessed mother, wrap us in your mantle of love. St. Joseph, protect us with your cloak. St. Joseph, you who are the terror of demons. St. Michael, guard us with your shield against the attacks from the enemy that seek to divide us and conquer us, that, that seek to lead us to pride, our envy, our lust, our wrath, our sloth, our, our gluttony, our greed. God, protect us from these vices so that we can abide in the Beatitudes, so we can abide in your virtues, so we can abide in relationship with you on earth as it is in heaven. I ask this prayer, Father, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. All right, y'all. God bless. I will see you next week.